Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Accumulus Station. Now, 104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Good Tuesday to you. Off the top, I say it every night, blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. The favor that I've received, just unmerited and undeserved grace from my Lord and Savior, it just sustains me and keeps me sane, honestly, and reminds me always of how privileged I am to have a microphone and to have the ability to speak. And thinking about yesterday, and I hope you enjoyed your Memorial Day, as I certainly did, with people that I love and out in nature and eating wonderful food. And yes, being behind the microphone on Fox Sports Radio as well yesterday, just the blessings abound. And you just look around and you think of what you're given. And also, you want to enjoy the freedoms that you're given. The best way to honor those that gave their lives that we were celebrating yesterday and we were remembering yesterday is to live it up, man. It is to revel in these freedoms, to take full advantage of them. And I think there's a secondary part of it where you can stop and think about so many other places in the world that don't have it. And maybe start to reflect on ways that hopefully you could be a part of change that could lead to maybe less people in the rest of the world that don't have it. But we know why we have it. There was a price paid for it. And so they don't want those that gave their lives for something greater. Don't want us to just sit back and mourn. They want us to enjoy and make that sacrifice worthwhile while not forgetting how it was achieved. And so my Memorial Day was fantastic. I hope that yours was as well. The NBA Finals begins on Thursday night. I will have thoughts on that a little bit later on in the program. But there's something called a media dump. And it usually happens on Fridays, late in the afternoons, And it's when you try to put out that questionable piece of information that you just don't think is going to be received well, or maybe it's negative publicity. It's something that you're hoping will kind of fly under the radar a little bit, and you'll be able to skate through it with a lot less bumps and bruises than you would otherwise. And it's a tactic that's used in entertainment. It's used in politics. It's used in everything. And it's even worse on a holiday weekend because the media just isn't paying quite as close attention. So you think you can pull something else 
underneath the rug. And that's what makes this story so unbelievable, except so believable. Mount Vernon High School in Mount Vernon, Texas, made a hire and announced that hire on Friday for its football team. And because of the way that they revealed this information, it's a high-profile name for a high school coaching job in the state of Texas, which immediately tells you, oh, well, this should have, this should have been front-page news. It should have been everywhere. They should have released this at the best possible time to get the most coverage that you could possibly get. The man they hired, his name is Art Bryles. I say that as if you've never heard that name before, but I'm saying it so that it stands out even more. They hired Art Bryles, the former coach from the University of Baylor, to be a high school football coach in the state of Texas. And because they chose to go the media dump route on Friday, I chose to move things that might be more timely from a, hey, the NBA Finals are starting, things like that, move those a little deeper into tonight's show and instead take what was attempted to be buried and dig it up and bring it right to the surface and put it on the equivalent of the front page of the Big Six tonight. So Mount Vernon hired Art Bryles. I want to read from Pete Thamel's article at Yahoo. And this came out over the weekend. In one artless and tactless swoop, Mount Vernon solidified itself as the new moral basement for high schools around the country. It has willingly brought in Art Bryles, who ran a program at Baylor that had a stunning amount of sexual violence tied to its football team. And with it, tiny Mount Vernon has become the latest and most glaring example of how winning Trump's ethics and an eternal reminder that the glare of Friday night lights can blind adults from acting in the best interest of children. And now, if this is a story that somehow is new to you, or if you just don't know some of the facts or some of the numbers, this is when it gets far worse. How bad was Baylor under Bryles? One of the lawsuits to come from his tenure, and there were plenty, alleged there were 52 acts of rape, including five gang rapes during a four-year period while Bryles was the coach. Another report listed 19 players involved in 17 instances of sexual or domestic assault and four gang rapes. Bryles recruited a roster filled with vile humans and did little to curtail their behavior or set a culture that did anything close to respect women. The numbers are awful any way you cut it, and they still fail to quantify the haunting pain, anger, and anguish that lingers with all the women whose lives were indelibly altered by players that Art Bryles brought to Baylor. This is one of the grossest things that we've ever seen in college sports. And there have been some incidents, this century in particular, that certainly stand out negatively. Penn State, Michigan State, and I'm not going to try and rank these in order. They're all heinous. But the Baylor situation created a culture of terror on that campus for females during that time because of the way in which Art Bryles just kind of, we don't know what Art Bryles knew, but we know that he didn't want to know all that much. He wanted to do anything he could to not know what was going on. And so, I want to talk to you right now about forgiveness. And I want to talk to you about forgiveness in the way that I've come to understand it through things that I've read over the past couple of years. It might be something I've talked about on this show before, but I want you to hear this out. 
and maybe you haven't heard it, and I think it's instructive, and it's certainly a way that I try to think about this when it comes up. Forgiveness is best defined as canceling a debt, and often canceling a debt that cannot be repaid. There are tangible debts that can be canceled out, right? And then there are intangible debts. And the intangible debts are the ones in your mind where I feel like you owe me because. But they can't repay that. And so you end up holding a grudge. And it turns out to be a burden that you are bearing because you won't, you won't show the grace to let it go. That's another easy way to say it. Canceling a debt, let it go. If you take somebody to court that is dirt poor, that caused hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage to your house, they may garnish their wages forever, but you know that you're not going to get the vast majority of that money back. Most forgiveness is in the form of grace for things that can never be repaid. You're never going to be made whole on this. So you can either live staring at a watch, hoping that maybe the next day will be the day when you get paid back. Or you can free yourself of the burden, let that person go, and relieve the extra stress and pressure that's resting on your own heart. And as I come to believe it, the least that I can do is offer grace to anybody in my life that I feel may have wronged me. Because I was offered grace in the most amazing way possible. And because of that, I try, and sometimes it can be a real struggle, to always be willing to forgive as fast as possible. But there's a difference between forgiveness and forgetting it. Forgetting an instance and not learning from what happens. And so here is my analogy. And I have used this in the past. I can lend you my car, my car that I love to death. Just for, for whatever example it is for you, just think of the car you love or your ideal car. And I'm talking about the one you can't afford, not the one you're driving right now, unless that is your dream car. I can lend it to you. And I don't care whether or not it happened for a good reason or a bad reason. Like maybe it was just an accident. Maybe... Maybe you just made a mistake and turned into something wrong. It doesn't necessarily have to do with alcohol or anything like that. But you totaled my car. And so you come back and your palms are out and you're so down. And your head is, you can't make eye contact with me. Or you're so sad. And you're apologizing to me for it. I love that car. And I know I'm either going to have to get that car replaced or get a new car. But I'm going to forgive you. I'm hopefully going to first think about your health and say, well, I'm glad you're okay. Is everyone okay? Okay, that's the most important thing. And hey, I'm upset, but I know these things happen. None of us are perfect. Believe me, I'm at the top of that list of imperfection, and we're going to be all right. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you because I'm not lending my car generally to a perfect stranger. I'm lending it to someone that I care about, someone I trust. And that's been created over time. So there's a bond there. So there's a friendship that I think is going to outweigh the damage done to my car, whether you can afford to pay me back or not. And if you can help, then I'll let you. 
But if you can't, then I'm not going to write you off forever. However, after I get that car fixed, here's what I don't have to do. I don't have to ever let you drive it again. And that doesn't mean I didn't forgive you. It means that I forgave you and canceled your debt to me. Wiped it clean. Moved on with my life instead of dwelling on the past or dwelling on this one moment in time. But learning from that experience, I can now make the decision not to hand you my keys again to the car that you already totaled once. And I know that that example is nowhere near as serious as what's happened at Baylor and what's happened in Art Browse's life. And it's not Baylor giving him, giving him the keys back, but it is a high school that now wants him to come and be their football coach because he's a really good football coach and he can win a lot of games. And so Mount Vernon High School, indeed, in order to gain the world, sold something I think might be far more important, and that's reputation. I'm just barely starting right now. I've got a lot more on this. Media Dump made me want to do an entire hour on this immediately today. The first opportunity I had on this show, I wanted to talk about this issue right off the top because they attempted to put it right on the bottom. And so next, I've got more on this. I do not judge the people who made this decision. That's above my pay grade, and I absolutely am not qualified to do so. The decision itself, I am judging because there was a severe and clear lack of judgment in the decision itself. So I am judging the decision to be ridiculous, insane, borderline reprehensible, and amazingly tone deaf and naive and callous and selfish. The decision, not the decision makers. I can only judge the choice itself, and that choice, folks, is unacceptable. We'll be right back. This is The Zone. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. So yeah, a little bit of a heavy topic here, talking about Art Bryles. If you missed the first segment, another good reason, if you haven't already, to consider subscribing to the Big Six with Jason Martin podcast, which you can do through your podcast catcher of choice. You can also go 1045thezone.com to the podcast page. You can find podcasts for all of our shows, including all of mine, Pop Six, the Pop Culture Podcast, as well as Squared Circle Radio, now available there on that link. And you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you would like as well. So after Mount Vernon High School chose they wanted to go media dump, I decided, okay, I'm going to dig this up from the dump and I'm going to go right after it off the top of this show. And so Art Browse is the new head football coach at Mount Vernon High School in Texas. And I am incensed by this, that they think that they can get away with doing this. The Hamilton Tiger Cats tried to hire Art Bryles, if you remember, of the CFL, and the outcry was so quick 
and so strong that that was rejected within a day or two. But he's still a head football coach at Mount Vernon High School. And honestly, even if he weren't, the fact that this actually happened at all and was legit, I would still be doing the exact same thing. So they tried to media dump this thing on on Memorial Day weekend. I spent a lot of that first segment talking about forgiveness and what the difference is. You can crash my car. I can forgive you for that. I can cancel that debt. I can free you from that debt and in the process free myself from the grudge and allow grace to take over. But if I don't hand you back the keys to the car, that's just me learning from a decision that did not pan out the first time. Nothing against you. I have forgiven you. I'm just not going to let you drive my car again. And in this case, Art Bryles. And we don't know everything that he knew, but we do know that he facilitated a culture that did not vet many of the athletes that came into that program other than, well, can they help us win? How fast are they? Let's not worry about any of these other things that are going on. We just need to make Baylor a top five program in this country. And so you have proven in a world where trust is a commodity that cannot be bought, you have proven that you cannot be trusted around young men or young women, young people, impressionable people that are still trying to figure out who they are, what they're going to be, what's important to them, and they're still learning. College didn't work out for our brows at all. I can read those stats again. As a matter of fact, I will. From Pete Thamel's article again. How bad was Baylor under Bryles? One of the lawsuits to come from his tenure, and there were plenty, alleged there were 52 acts of rape, including five gang rapes during a four-year period. Another report listed 19 players involved in 17 instances of sexual or domestic assault and four gang rapes. Art Bryles cannot be trusted. I believe in second chances. I think with forgiveness should also come the idea of redemption. The redemption story is the one that we love so much in our fiction and in our fact in this country. But just as it is with other people that have squandered opportunities, this man made $15 million on his way out the door at Baylor after what went down. He does not have, he has the right to make a living if he's not behind bars. But he does not have the right to make a privileged living doing what he loves because he treated that job so callously in the past. And so if he's going to get a second chance in football, it has to come in the professional ranks. It has to come in the NFL. It has to be adults who make millions of dollars themselves, who have families and who have experienced life a little bit more and are not going to look at Art Bryles like a potential mentor or a father figure or someone to look up to, instead just a boss or someone that's going to help them make more money by playing better football. There's a sense of responsibility and accountability that's personal on the professional level because those are mature adults. But instead... College where they were still learning and where they were still young, but a little bit more mature. We saw what happened with our brows in that case. What you absolutely can't do is his second chance can't come in college. It has to come in the pros and it really can't come at the high school level. Think about you in high school, your friends, 
think about how dumb you actually were to what was real in the world. How much you thought you knew that you had no idea about. You didn't know what job you wanted. You didn't even know what you were good at. You were just trying to get by. You were trying to be popular. And some of that stuff carries through for the remainder of your life. But you were at your most impressionable during that time. There's always that adage that the music that you listen to in high school is the music that you always treasure for the rest of your life in most respects. And that's true for me. I still gravitate to 90s alternative when it comes down to it. And I love a lot of current stuff too, as you hear on this program. But I got no problem. I've got a playlist on my phone of you know grunge and alternative and some of the hip-hop from the 90s and things like that. And there's stories that, because there's memories attached to things like that. So you're impressionable. A lot of what's going to become who you are is formed during that point. You cannot bring a guy with this level of question mark and risk attached to it and hand that individual to high schoolers. I don't care how great a football coach he is. And I will tell you this, if I was a parent of one of those children at that school, I would no longer be a parent of one of those children at that school because my child would not be at that school because I cannot trust the judgment being made in the walls of that school. Again, I am not condemning them. I am not judging them. But that decision just does not wash with me in a way in which I could let my child be a part of that particular place. So I'd have to find another arrangement. And if I am a parent, I'm already on the phone on Friday afternoon to anybody who will answer the phone at that high school saying, you've got to be kidding. This cannot happen. And you are sullying the reputation of this school by making this decision. Art Bryles may never have another checkered incident in his life. Never another blemish. He might have learned everything he needed to learn. Parts of his role might even be overblown. But the thing about it is there are certain mistakes that you can forgive, but you don't have to give them your keys again. And even though these keys were from a different school and on a different level, these keys are to a more expensive car because they are to younger minds that are still being molded and formed and you want someone whose integrity is impeccable because integrity just like trust cannot be bought and so Mount Vernon High School decided they would rather win football games than anything else and this again from Pete Thamel the final salvo in their tour de force of overt lack of self-awareness came from the public relations official who allowed this quote from Bryles to run in the news release. Quote, You'll make no bigger impact in this world than when you shape the lives of young people. Unquote. You cannot be serious. How bad was Baylor under Bryles? One of the lawsuits to come from his tenure, and there were plenty alleged there were 52 acts of rape, including five gang rapes. Another report listed 19 players involved in 17 instances of sexual or domestic assault and four gang rapes. 
Kathy Redmond, founder of the National Coalition Against Violent Athletes, writes, the bottom line is that when a school takes on someone like that, they're taking on a giant risk. It says a lot about the school being insulated. That quote one more time from Bryles. You'll make no bigger impact in this world than when you shape the lives of young people. Thamel. The numbers are awful any way you cut it, and they still fail to quantify the haunting pain, anger, and anguish that lingers with all the women whose lives were indelibly altered by players that Art Bryles brought to Baylor. He helped shape many lives. Yes, he did. Art Bryles cannot be a high school football coach in the United States of America. Art Bryles should not ever be offered the opportunity to coach high school for sure, but even college again. Because there are some mistakes that you cannot put him in a position to commit again. And I'm not saying Art Bryles is an evil man. I'm saying that his past just isn't something that I can completely forget about. Whenever I think of Art Bryles, before I start thinking of RG3 or some of the talent that came through that school, I think of these stories. It's part of his legacy, and it's not a story that you can attach to a high school. I don't care if he goes undefeated for 20 years. If they do a 30-for-30 on Mount Vernon High School, the winningest football team of this century, that story, a large part of it, is going to be about how much were those wins worth. Enough to basically turn a blind eye to someone that at the very least turned his eye blind in order to allow some of the more heinous stuff you will ever hear to take place with his athletes and co-eds on that campus. I ended the first segment by saying this. I'm going to end this segment by saying it as well. And then we will turn around and we'll talk about the NBA and some other things. Mount Vernon should be ashamed of themselves for this decision. Could be a bunch of wonderful people. But this decision is not wonderful. In fact, it's indefensible. This is a slash golf classic. Thanks for joining me. Glad to have you with us here on the Big Six. Finishing up live and local tonight here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. NBA Finals begins Thursday night. In Toronto, Raptors hosting the Warriors. There will be no Kevin Durant in that game. Kerr is still optimistic. I am not. I first guessed this. I said when the injury happened, I would be surprised if he played again this year. He may still because there's a lot of time between these games. But if I had to predict it today, I would say we've seen him in his last game in a Golden State Warriors jersey. But this is about Kawhi Leonard, and this is a take that many tried to disagree with me about on Twitter, which is fine because takes are subjective by nature, so you can think what you want, but Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the NBA. And that's not denigrating anybody else. But I look at what he does on both sides of the ball. He's the best two-way player in the league, and that's why he's the best player in the league. It's not a bad thing to say, hey, he's the best two-way player in the league. 
that actually explains why I think he's the best player in the league right now. I started to think about that Raptors team and the run that they've made through this postseason, the ups and the downs, and all of what Kawhi has had to do. And I am trying to come up with another guy in the NBA that I think would have gotten them to the finals the way Kawhi Leonard has. LeBron, at his age, does not play defense anymore on any level of consistent basis because he needs the stamina on the offensive end to score. And so you barter off the defense for his offense. At his best, I don't think he was ever Kawhi's level because Kawhi is all-time elite as a defender. He shut down Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's probably about to be named the NBA MVP on June 24th. He shuts down everybody that he plays against. He's a terror. When he came out of San Diego State, he couldn't shoot. Now he can. Now he can go get you 40 if you need it. Or he can just get you 25, 15, 15, or whatever it is that you need that night. Kevin Durant in place of Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Nope. Because I don't see Kevin Durant making people better around him. Because of the way he plays, his isolation style. And because he's so good... Most of the time throughout his career, you see a lot of people standing around waiting to see what he's going to do next. And usually that's going to be him shooting and making it. I trust him on the offensive side. He can be a good defender, but he's not Kawhi Leonard defensively. Steph Curry, we know what he can do offensively. He's not taking the Warriors to the finals because he's a liability on defense. Whatever name you want to put out there, James Harden doesn't make people better around him. Giannis has major holes in his game, even though he is going to, well, he's already a great defensive player, but his lack of shooting would be a real problem in this situation. So whoever it is that you want to put up there and say best player in the league, and I'm not saying overall, I'm not saying that Kawhi Leonard's better than LeBron James historically. I'm saying that right now in 2019, no one is better in the NBA than Kawhi Leonard because he does everything well. He is the Mike Trout of the NBA in that he's quiet, He doesn't have a ton of endorsements, but he is a stone-cold killer on the playing surface. And so I asked the question before the Eastern Conference Finals as to whether or not the one guy in that series that I truly trusted, Kawhi Leonard, could overcome a bunch of his own teammates that I felt the opposite about because they had historically failed. And I came to the conclusion that no, against my better judgment, I was going to pick the Bucks because they were the better team, even though they had not been there before. And experience matters maybe in the NBA more than in any other sport when it comes to the postseason. But after the Raptors tied it at two, I knew Toronto was going to win the series because then it did come down to who do you trust. And there is something to be said, ladies and gentlemen, for the pressure that gets released when you trust the captain of the ship and then you just raise the mass or you do the job around him because you know that he's going to steer you away from danger. If need be, he will take command and he will make sure that you are safe. He will take control of the basketball game. He'll make the game winner, the first ever buzzer beater in the history of a game seven out of 135 tries in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard's the only one that's ever been able to do it because of the soft touch of his jump shot. But he's going to do whatever it takes to win. He would not let them lose. 
And it was such a thin margin of error with that overtime game in particular. If that goes the opposite way, they probably don't win the series. But the thing about it is, I'm saying probably because it didn't come to pass because they did win it. And Kawhi Leonard was huge throughout the series. Even when he wasn't efficient, he was an incredible facilitator. Even when he was hurt, he was still making everybody around him better. That's the difference. They trust him, but they also feel like he cares about them getting involved. He's going to get his when he needs it. He will take hold, take command, and roll. But he also will get you the ball, Fred Van Fleet. And he'll get you the ball, Kyle Lowry. And he'll find you in the corner, Pascal Siakam. And he'll get you that shot on the elbow that you love, Mark Gasol. And he will just do every little thing. He will sacrifice his body for loose balls. He plays the best defense in the world. He's a great free throw shooter. He can get to the rack. He can shoot from three now. He's got distance to his game. He has no flaws. He's the best player in the world. So what we get in the NBA Finals is the dynasty of the century, one of the great dynasties we've ever seen in sports, especially if they were able to cash it in this year. We get them, but we get the old version of them. We get the Tom Petty greatest hits. Unless Kevin Durant comes back, at which point the greatest hits album goes out the window and we get that new thing again that still sells a lot of records, but you don't end up putting it in your CD player the same level because it's not as much fun. It doesn't hold the memories that maybe it once did. But you get the best team in the NBA against what I think is the best player. And so then the question again becomes, can this guy that I trust so much overcome guys that certainly I'm beginning to trust a little more because of Kawhi's influence around them? And the answer in most cases would be yes, but against the Golden State Warriors, how can it be? Because when I say I trust Kawhi, how can I say I don't trust Steph? or I don't trust Clay, or I don't trust Draymond, or I don't trust Iggy, or I don't trust Steve Kerr. Nick Nurse has never done this before. He's one year into his coaching career. That was Dwayne Casey last year that lost to the Cavaliers. And they got rid of DeRozan, and they got rid of Dwayne Casey, and they brought in Kawhi Leonard and Nick Nurse. There's too many people to trust in Golden State for me to pick Toronto. I think it goes six, it could go five, it will not go seven. If the Toronto Raptors win the series and Kawhi Leonard is responsible for it, which ultimately he would almost have to be for that to be the case, then the argument that I am making today about him being the best player in the NBA will all of a sudden sound like it was not said in an empty forest, but in a packed stadium with a lot of people chanting it. Because the media will jump on board this take post-haste if that turns out to be the case. I don't think that it will. But this series could be very entertaining. Because we're going to see Kawhi in a way that we haven't ever seen him before, which is everybody is on his back. And they are against the evil empire this time. We don't know if KD plays. Looks like DeMarcus Cousins might. And I actually think that's a mistake. If I were them, I would not put DeMarcus Cousins back on the floor. I know he's great. I know he's a former All-Star. I also know that the ball stops when it goes into his hand, and what's actually worked for this Golden State team is the ball movement and the spacing and running through Steph. When you toss it into DeMarcus Cousins, everything's going to slow down. That's not the Warriors' brand of basketball. What they've just done, what they did to Portland, 
what they did to get through the Rockets after Durant went down, that brand of basketball could potentially be harmed irreparably by Cousins' influence on it if he plays too many minutes. I don't think that that makes it a foregone conclusion they lose. I don't. But I think that if they lose and Cousins plays significant minutes, there are going to be questions asked immediately as to whether or not he was a fit there. Because I'm already here to tell you he's not a fit there. So I'm going to take the Warriors in six. That is my official prediction for the NBA Finals. They'll start on Thursday night. I'll be in Los Angeles and actually won't be able to comment until after game two. But let's get a good series out of this at least. I don't want basketball to go away too soon. And I don't want it all to be about what I deemed yesterday, Drake-mond. But Drake versus Draymond could definitely be entertaining. Could be really, really entertaining. And whether or not we think it's ridiculous or not, or like Drake or hate Drake, the NBA quietly loves this. Adam Silver has to love this because this is going to attract a different news crew, different media, and different interest. It's going to be on the Today Show. It's going to be on Access Hollywood. It's going to be everywhere if this thing were to actually happen. I don't know that Drake and Draymond ever touch, but this is the closest thing that we have seen in a long time to Reggie Miller versus Spike Lee. And Spike Lee didn't go anywhere near the histrionics that Drake did. He didn't necessarily want to be on camera. It's clear that Drake wants to be on camera, and it's clear that ESPN slash ABC slash Disney is going to give him as much camera time as possible. I'm surprised we don't have a split screenshot that's on him continuously during the game. It's embarrassing. You saw Keith Bullock's tweet over the weekend about Drake, number one jock sniffer in the world. That's not what you want athletes to think about you. But Drake on Drake. We'll be right back. Big Final segment of the program tonight here on the Big Six 104.5 The Zone. Enjoyed being in with Jonathan Schaefer this morning on the Wake Up Zone. Enjoyed it so much, I'm going to do it again tomorrow morning. Blaine will be back, but it'll be me alongside Schaefer, and we'll have a blast. I know Alan Bell of 24-7 is going to come in. That'll be a great conversation to be sure. Brent Hubs will talk some balls. i got to get more sports talk in, folks, before I head to the West Coast. Going to have a blast out there uh, for the remainder of the week, and... It's always a blast to be here, and I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do it. So, three names. Bart Starr, Bill Buckner, and Rod Bramlett. All of them passed away over the weekend. All of them giants in their own way. But I want to focus on Bramlett here in this segment because I just continue to think the same thing about his passing. He passed away at age 52 along with his wife, who was 53, in a car accident on Saturday evening, rear-ended by a motorist, a 16-year-old, no alcohol involved, had just gotten his license. I feel so bad for that young man because I'm sure no one feels worse than he does. And sometimes bad things just happen. And there doesn't have to be some underlying cause. It's just unfortunate. But Rod Bramblett, of course, the kick-six call, but he was the voice of Auburn sports since 1988. And I love broadcasters, and I listened to them growing up, and, and I continue to think that the moments that are indelibly etched upon us from sports, from these things that we love, so many of them are tied to the voices 
that proved to be the soundtrack that guided us through those waters. Mike Keith, the Music City Miracle, just as one example that we will never forget in this city. How many John Ward calls do you want me to talk about right now, Vols fans? I, the list goes on and on. I could talk about National, of course, You Believe in Miracles, Al Michaels, all of these things. And next week we're going to do, I'm going to take an hour next week, and we're going to take thoughts on the broadcasting memories that meant the most to you, the things that you know left goosebumps on the back of your neck. The kick six call is definitely on that list without any doubt in anyone's mind. So earlier this morning on the wake-up zone, we had Joe Fisher, who's great at his gig with Vanderbilt, who, of course, knew Rob Bramlett very well. And I just asked him to share his thoughts on that and basically told him the same thing, that I feel like the SEC does really put these guys as part of the fabric of the university, and they feel like they belong to us, and that the best of them don't ever condescend to the audience. The best broadcasters are the ones that you know know their stuff but never make you feel like you don't, that talk to you, not at you. And that's what Bramblett did. That's what the kick six was. It was pure emotion. There was a fan there, and then there was an expert there and a professional broadcaster in a moment of just pure, raw feeling. But here is what Joe Fisher a wonderful broadcaster in his own right, had to say when I asked him to reflect on Rod Bramblett. Well, I admit when I was driving to the office here and I heard you play the kick six, my eyes teared up again. Um, not for the first time uh, this weekend, I can tell you. Um, to go, you need to go back. Rod is the guy that replaced the legend. Uh, Jim Fife uh, was the longtime legendary voice at Auburn. And Rod was the guy that had to step into his shoes and fill his role. And I remember Rod early on dealing with, do I use this signature phrase or is that, don't leave that alone. And, and, you know, feeling your way through that process. Uh, but over time became a legend of his own. Um, a great ability to, to do it. I think a lot of us have a lot of respect for anybody in this business, but Rod is one of the few that does what I do that David Kellum does at Ole Miss. Um, Chris does at LSU now. Let's call all three sports. Um, and uh, I, I got the call. Um, Chris Stewart, my good friend who does play-by-play for Alabama, lives in Hoover, as a matter of fact. And he called me um, Saturday night to tell me about the accident. And, in fact, to tell me that he was on his way to the hospital where Ron was being airlifted over to UAB. Um, and then he called he, he texted me about 20 minutes later to tell me that Rod had not survived. Um, and at that point, it's just, you just become incredulous because it's so out of the blue, but Rod is a guy you talk about beloved. Um, and I, I think you're right. The conference seems to have done a, a pretty good job of weaving us into the fabric of a university. A lot of us are employed by the university, um, which is a trend that just started not so many years ago. Um, but it's, I guess it makes you never take for granted what you get the chance to do. It also humbles you a bit to hear people and see the reaction of people and realize that they will always remember, Auburn fans will always remember his call of the kick six. They'll always remember several of those events, um, that are, that are forever ingrained in their memory. Um, that's, it's something that I guess we take for granted sometimes and we shouldn't, but it, it's a very important part of telling the story of the university and 
and um, he's going to be missed. I tell you, we went to the to the finals on Sunday, and there was a wreath on the door outside the booth where he had just done his last game. Um, it was just a surreal kind of day to get through, and now everything for us. And I heard you mention it. I appreciate it. The, the kids are what's on everybody's mind now, and trying to get the support as much as you can and love on them as much as you can because. You know, they lost their parents in one fell swoop. And But uh, Rod is special, a good friend. I spent a lot of time with him, a lot of meals together. Uh, always enjoyed visiting with him in the booth. And um, somebody will replace the space, but they won't replace Rod. Rod Bramblett was 52. His wonderful wife was 53. And even though his voice won't be heard anew, it definitely won't ever be forgotten. And there is a great conversation amongst a lot of Auburn fans in a place much better than we live. And it's being led by the guy behind that call, Rod Bramblett, who is just dazzling those men and women with the story of that day and of the emotion behind it. Rest in peace to Rod Bramblett, to Bart Starr, and to Bill Buckner. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.